This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. We are back from a two-week hiatus. Joey, how does it feel? It was amazing. I got a list of things that we didn't cover. Yeah, and I probably should have edited it, but it's fine. We go through it. We talk about the big news regarding Chelsea Manning. We also have a Trump administration update. We got clips from Senate hearings. Woo, it's a good one. Stick around. Oh, we also have a new sponsor. We're very excited. Stay tuned. This is the Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. My name is Chris Flannery. This guy's name is Joseph Noe. Hi, everybody. I am so glad to be back. <laughs> Welcome back, Samsonites. We missed you. We missed doing the show. But here we are at it again. If you're hearing my voice right now, best case scenario, we're 12 hours away from a Trump presidency. More than likely, we're fucked. <laughs> what are we discussing today? Chelsea Manning. Yeah. Big news on Chelsea Manning. Huge Very news. exciting news. Dylan Roof, income inequality, gun violence, Obamacare. Soon to be Trump care. I want this to stick. Ooh, Trump care. It's going to be Trump care. Once he starts mangling it, then that's his thing. No, no, health care for everyone. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it. And, of course, a Trump administration update with some very interesting stats about news sources in the 2016 election. We're going to get into that. Ooh. Yeah. Also, very exciting. We got a sponsor on today's show. A big sponsor, a new sponsor. I'm excited. We're going to get to it in a little while on the program. It's a good one, right? Awesome. It's a good way to kick off the new year, buddy. Absolutely. If people have, I'm going to give you a little tease on it. If you Ooh. got a little New Year's resolution, you're trying to eat better, trying to have a little more family time, we got something that's going to help you. And if you help the sponsor, if you if you take advantage of the offer we're going to give you, it helps the program. So it's good. But that's coming a little bit later in the show. Joey. Yes. Did you prepare a hit list of things we missed over the last two weeks. It's literally a list with links, and yes. So, but I mean, as long as you can present them to me as a thing, you know what I mean? And I can kind of riff, give my hot take, as they call it. Yes, 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 yes. All right. What's going on? You got a weird energy right now. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. All right. You have fun at the way. Back, you know, before we get into everything, yes. obviously I was away. I got married. And then Congratulations. I was on my honeymoon. Thank you very much. You were there. Did you have a nice time? I had a wedding? fantastic time. I haven't really talked to you, honestly, since the wedding. I know. it's It's been too long. Also... Uh, I hope you got my best man speech, so that way we can have that puppy go viral. Oh, what do you mean? Like, get a video of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we had a videographer. Yeah, yeah, so, Why don't you tell the, the kids what, what you did at the at the wedding? Joey- No, it's a surprise. Let me say this. Yes. So Joey wasn't supposed- Well, we're not going to play it on the podcast. Do you want me to give it again? No. I have it on the, the laptop here. No, that's okay. Okay. So- So it wasn't good enough to do again? Why? That hurts. No, it's just, it's a personal thing. You know, it's okay, like redo it. I was just going to say, you did a nice job. I oh, wasn't expecting you. Joey to say anything. At, you know, he was a co-best man uh, at the wedding. And I was like, you know, you don't have to say anything and, and you don't have to give a speech or whatever. Because he might, maybe gets a little nervous. He didn't want to do it. And then last minute, he's like, no, no, I got some. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I prepared some. And he did it. He did it at the wedding. It was very good. People enjoyed it. How'd you feel it went? I thought it went fantastically well. If I were the one who was marrying you, I would have been happy. Oh, wow. So you weren't happy, you're saying, at the wedding. No, that's not what I'm saying. you weren't marrying me. <laughs> that's insane. The show's over. We're Twisting done. my woods. <laughs> no, that's exactly what you said. All right. You ready to get into this thing? Yes, I am. 
So Chelsea Manning, this is what we're leading off with. In May, I'm just going to give a little backstory, and then we're going to get to the heart of the issue. In May, Chelsea Manning filed an appeal of her, quote, grossly unfair 35-year sentence, which we discussed on the program. Canada's 14-year maximum for a similar crime is the most harsh penalty outside of the United States. Other than mm. that, it's four, you know, 14, 8, l- lesser yeah. sentences. She got 35 years. The prosecution asked for, I believe, 60. Oh. All right. Last week, it was reported that Chelsea was on President Obama, or f- Jesus, former President Obama's, <laughs> oh. I guess at this point, shortlist uh, for a commutation. As it turns out, that information was correct. On Tuesday, the outgoing president commuted the remainder of Chelsea Manning's 35-year sentence, allowing for her release from military prison on May 17th, 2017, roughly 28 years earlier than expected. Thoughts on this, Joey? And then I got a couple of quotes. I am so excited. I feel that time has been served. Yeah. And it was part of public good. Right. There was over 700,000 documents that we should have been aware of, mm-hmm. and justice has been served on both sides. Yeah, it's the right thing. I agree. It's the right thing that for Obama to do this. Let's not forget Obama is the was the presiding president while she was being prosecuted. That's true. You know, so he, he bears responsibility there, but I think he did the absolute right thing. And I have, uh, it's kind of a longer clip of Obama at his last press conference talking about Chelsea Manning. WikiLeaks a little bit and Julian mm-hmm. Assange. So we're going to play that in a few minutes. I want to say this, not yes. to make light of the situation. I think it's great. If a lot of people tweeted me and, you know, at Mansamp, if you'd like to talk to me on Twitter or any other social media, uh, you know, Instagram as well and Snapchat. I'm just Mansamp everywhere. I, forget I got what, it. I forget. What everywhere. I was, I Every what, place. Every place. I, I got I was it. I going to say, oh, yeah, people were tweeting me and, you know, obviously, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy. You're right. Justice is done. Um, I'm excited to hear now from this person. This is a person of good, you know, moral fiber and somebody mm-hmm. that has a a lot to say, I'm sure. So I'm excited that we're going to get that interview and we're going to have that conversation. And I'm also, again, not to make light of this, but I want to say, you see that same goddamn picture of her in the car, that black and white yep. picture of her with the wig and the lipstick. It's like, maybe we'll get a new photo now. Yeah, a few new ones. Uh, question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. I was looking at some newspapers and they all hinted at Really? The did fact... you read any of them? <laughs> no, I did not. I, yeah. I, I was... Uh, Just staring at the... Staring at the covers. Yeah. Judging a newspaper by a cover. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them... Th- we're hitting at the fact that th- that Obama had to do it before Trump, Trump because Trump would never do it. Yeah, absolutely. do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, hundred percent, of course. Okay. Yeah, it was the, definitely you had to do it, and that you know that's sort of been the argument for Snowden as well, which I don't, I can't imagine we're going to get a Snowden pardon. Um, you know, Trump's not going to do it, and then Russia now has given Snowden three more years. So, so what does that mean? So he can stay in Russia for three more years. What happens after the three years? He's going to have to re up that situation or find another place to you know we'll we'll see but yeah he's not going to be getting out of there but yeah definitely i mean of course trump wouldn't do it no no absolutely not and i have republican comments yes 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 tom cotton that dumb dumb we have a video clip of him we got a lot of stuff to get into let me let me say this before whatever little twist on the whole thing on january 12th wikileaks tweeted if obama grants man and clemency assange will agree to u.s extradition despite clear unconstitutionality of doj case which very selfless on the part of Assange. Huge news. Has he followed up on that? Here's the deal. Uh-huh. So I'm reading about it. Doesn't yeah. seem like there is a DOJ case against him. The whole thing Wait, was what? well, here's what I'm gonna say. We don't know for sure. 
right? The DOJ hasn't really commented on it, but according to reports from the Intercept and places that I trust, there are not charges in the United States Department of Justice pending against Julian Assange. The whole thing is he didn't want to get extradited to Sweden on the potential rape charges because he felt like if he if that happened then sweden would send him to the united states if there were charges but it's kind of a murky thing it doesn't really seem like there are charges it's it's interesting and then we're going to get a clip of obama talking about uh assange to me it doesn't seem like assange is going back on that but it also doesn't seem like he's going to have to get extradited because there is no charge so it's kind of it had no it was not a factor you know what i mean so kind of like a farm a false promise then what do you mean? Well, I mean, I think I think it was just the thing to put a little extra attention on it, put a little pressure on the Obama administration. And okay, you know, if it was something that was going to push it over the line, that's what he was trying to do. But uh, it doesn't appear to be something that made a difference. I think Obama hmm. was going to do this anyway because six, seven years in you know military prison is a super long sentence for the type of quote crime that Chelsea Manning committed. Um, and also, she served already served. M- a longer length than any other whistleblower in the U.S. history. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? So it's like at this point, you know, well, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later yeah. with Tom Cotton with his stupid his quotes. Chase Strangio, who's an ACLU attorney who has been representing Chelsea Manning throughout this whole thing, says, I'm relieved and thankful that the president is doing the right thing and commuting Chelsea Manning's sentence. Since she was first taken into custody, Chelsea has been subjected to long stretches of solitary confinement, including for attempting suicide, right, and has been denied access to medically necessary health care. This move could quite literally save Chelsea's life, and we are all better off knowing that Chelsea Manning will walk out of prison a free woman dedicated to making the world a better place and fighting for justice for so many. Yes, nice. correct. I'm very happy about that. All right, what do I got next? So this is the Obama clip. It's, it's uh, I don't know, four minutes, whatever, but it's broken up into two little pieces that I felt were necessary, or, you know, whatever. I gotcha. Worthwhile. Um, all right, so this is outgoing President Barack Obama. Oh, Jesus. Outgoing President... <laughs> I take him back in a heartbeat. Outgoing President Barack Obama discussing, um, you know, the Chelsea Manning parting and then a little bit about Assange and WikiLeaks. So here we go. Connection to Russia's hacking in last year's election. And related to that, Julian Assange has now offered to come to the United States. Are you seeking that? And would he be charged or arrested if he came here? Well, uh, first of all, Let's be clear, Chelsea Manning has served a tough prison sentence. Uh, So the notion that uh, the average person who was thinking about disclosing uh, vital classified information would think that it goes unpunished, uh, uh, I don't think would get that impression from the sentence uh, that Chelsea Manning has served. Valid point. Yes. Right. Obviously, I like the fact that Chelsea Manning released those documents and did the right thing because Obama's going to make a point in a, in a minute about going through the right channels and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. She tried to do that, but that wasn't available to her um, or whatever. It was available to her, but it didn't go anywhere. So that's why she felt she had to do it. But that's a Republican argument. Where like, this is outrageous. You're going to, you know, now you're endangering all of it. Well, she was in jail. It's not like he said, ah, oh, fine. It's fine to do that. It was an extremely harsh. Yeah, she served punishment. seven years. Right. On top of, you know, solitary confinement. You know, it's a terrible else. situation. Uh, it has been my view that given she went to trial, that 
due process uh, was carried out, that she took responsibility for her crime, that the sentence that she received was uh, very disproportional, disproportionate relative to what uh, other leakers had received, uh, and that uh, she had served a significant amount of time, that it made sense to commute and not pardon her sentence. And uh, you know, I feel very comfortable that uh, justice has been served and that a message has still been sent that it, uh, when it comes to our national security, that wherever possible, we need folks who may have legitimate concerns about the actions of government or their superiors or the agencies in which they work, uh, that they try to work through the established channels and uh, avail themselves of the whistleblower protections that uh, have been put in place. I recognize that there are some folks who think they're not enough. Um, and you know, I think all of us, when we're working in big institutions, uh, may find ourselves uh, at times at odds with policies that are set. But when it comes to national security, uh, we're often dealing with people in the field whose lives may be put at risk or uh, you know, the, the safety and security and the ability of our military or our intelligence teams or our embassies to function effectively. It's an interesting, you know, that point always comes up about making sure the people in the field that are undercover mm -hmm. or what, whatever it is, you know, they're classified people that you don't really know anything about that the information that comes out doesn't endanger them. Once again, WikiLeaks has not endangered anybody, but there's no evidence that that's the case. They haven't put anybody in, in peril. That's mm -hmm. all nonsense. Uh, and in Chelsea Manning's case, even though WikiLeaks has not specifically said that she's the source, uh, you know, we can kind of figure it out that she was the source for the, uh, you know, the Iraq war documents and the collateral yes. murder video and stuff like that. Nobody was in danger. She she gave the information to a journalistic organization that vets that information. Snowden gave the information to went a step further, took information to journalists to vet it and then mm -hmm. put it out. So, well, I get what Obama is saying. It's not it doesn't really hold water. And that's not really, in my opinion, the concern of the whistleblower. That should be the concern of the people that get the information from the whistleblower and then what they do with it. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. OK. And, and that has to be kept in mind. Um, so with respect to WikiLeaks, uh, I don't see a contradiction. First of all, I haven't commented on WikiLeaks generally. Uh, the conclusions of the intelligence community with respect to the Russian hacking uh, were not conclusive as to whether WikiLeaks was winning or not in uh, uh, being the conduit through which uh, we heard about uh, the DNC emails that were leaked. Important point. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting point from the president saying that WikiLeaks, it's obviously the information that WikiLeaks put out could have resulted from, you know, could have come from Russia or whatever, could have come from a source inside Russia, but it's not clear that WikiLeaks put it out specifically to do harm. You know what I mean? That's what That's he's saying, true. essentially. So, um, I don't pay a lot of attention to Mr. Assange's tweets, so that wasn't a consideration uh, in this instance. And I refer you to the Justice Department uh, for uh, any criminal investigations, indictments, extradition issues uh, that may come up 
uh, with him. Okay, so he's right there. He's I saying don't know. It didn't. No, he's saying I didn't. It did wasn't a factor. Yeah. Whatever Julian Assange said. So for people that are like, well, is he going to get extra? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it because it didn't seem like it had anything to do with it. It was just a thing that he put out. And yeah. It, you know, it didn't matter. Um. All right. Here's the final. Uh, it's like thirty seconds here. Let me just skip ahead. I forget what this is about. Oh yeah, he goes back to why he actually pardoned Chelsea, and then that's. Uh, that's it for the clip. Sit tight. Here we go. Their behalf, um, but uh, with respect to Chelsea Manning, I looked at the particulars of this case the same way I have the other commutations and pardons that I've done, and uh, I felt that, in light of all the circumstances, uh, that uh, commuting uh, her sentence was uh, entirely appropriate. Okay. So there you go. Yes. Well, well said. Now, of course. The Republicans, uh oh, not thrilled about this uh, situation. <laughs> I got a clip here of Tom Cotton, who we've talked about before oh, the Jesus. show. He's not a genius, uh, you know. Nobody's ever accused him of that. This is him on Fox and Friends talking about the, you know, the commutation. Mm-hmm. He's not happy. And meanwhile, Brian Kilmeade, who like asks the first question, yeah, wow, what a dumbass. And former U.S. Army Ranger and former Congressman Tom Cotton. Senator, this is outrageous to uh-huh. even the Secretary of Defense of Barack Obama. What about for you? This is outrageous. Is it outrageous, you stupid dum-dum? I mean, okay, yes. just let him talk. Meanwhile, he's got a beard now, Tom Cotton. Doesn't look good. It's very disappointing, and it's very dangerous as well, Brian. Um, Chelsea Manning committed grave crimes against our national security, leaking reports uh, from the field of uh, people who cooperated with American troops and diplomats and intelligence officers. Uh, we know that Osama bin Laden himself was interested in some of the reports that were leaked. What? What? What was? What was that? What was that? Uh, just out of nowhere claim? What are you talking about? I swear to God, they bring him up just because they can. Absolutely, of course. People that are listening to go, oh, Bin Laden. Oh, my God, Bin Laden. Chelsea Manning can help Bin Laden. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> so, specifically, you know that a couple of reports that Chelsea Manning leaked Bin Laden want. Bin Laden didn't want any information about the United States that he could get? Nothing? Just those. You jerk. Any behind the scenes, any classified information. You don't think Bin Laden would have been interested in getting that? So it's a nonsense. And that's also a baseless, it's like a baseless claim. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that. Uh, and looking ahead, this is not just something that is bad from a historical standpoint, but we depend on the cooperation of people all around the world. Sometimes that cooperation has to occur in secret. Now that they know that an American president is willing to commute the sentence of someone who shared such information publicly, they're probably going to think twice before they're willing to cooperate with sure. America in the future, and that's bad. You know, for so. the last couple of months, though, Senator, we've been hearing about how bad WikiLeaks is, you know, all that stuff about Donald Trump and Russia. It's terrible. And now this president... <laughs> it's funny, because now these dips are on the side of WikiLeaks, because right now it seems like WikiLeaks is on their side, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they released Hillary Clinton. The Fair Weather... Uh, yeah, well, there, there's no... What the hell would you even call that? They're just not honest brokers. We say it all the time. They're not honest brokers. They, yeah. they are just on their side. And it's when somebody's on their side, they're like, he's great. And then when he's on their side, oh, he's a fucking he's a traitor. He's a rhino. Okay. Uh, wait. Wait until the Trump leaks come out. You'll see how quickly the, these guys are going to get whiplashed. They're going to turn around so fast. That's going to be awesome. Who has uh, said Donald Trump has no respect for the intel community, is kicking the intel community in the teeth because he's bringing the biggest leaker. Yeah. 
That's well said. I mean, maybe Barack Obama's official position on WikiLeaks is bad when it embarrasses Democrats and good when it undermines national security. Oh. Uh, but there's no doubt. Oh, 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 good one, Tom Cotton. It says to, it's all right. Whatever. Also, that this is demoralizing for our intelligence community and our military. I can't imagine that anyone in the military chain of command or the intelligence community supported President Obama's decision to commute the sentence of Chelsea Manning, uh, who would have been eligible for parole in just a few years under the ordinary processes of military justice. Yeah, um, it's yeah and I'm sure she would have gotten out. No. I'm sure she would have been out in you know a couple of years. Definitely. Good behavior. They would have let her out. They put her in fucking solitary confinement for trying to kill herself. Yes. Yeah, but they would have been like, well, she's fine. We'll let her out very disappointing and it's very harmful to our national security it's not harmful prove that that's a baseless thing to say it's not harmful it is not harmful no it's not it's not you know it's harmful to our national security doing the shit that the the leaks exposed that's what's harmful mm. to our national security uh going forward senator what message does this say send to other leakers to edward snowden to julian assange Are they uh, see they don't even know what they're talking about assange isn't a leaker right he doesn't get the documents and leak them. He receives them and vets them and then puts them out. That's not, yes. that's not the leaker. Trying to get back here to America so they can get pardoned? Well, it seems... What a dumb question. Is Assange trying to get back to America? Assange doesn't live in America. He's, Maybe she's just confused. He's Australian. Snowden might want to come back, but he's not just going to come back first and be like, hey, okay, don't arrest me. I just <laughs> want to talk to you guys. Well, it's just crazy. These are the people that we have talking about important issues. And it's like, yes. Cotton doesn't know what he's talking about. Nope. He's just saying whatever he wants. These three, you put their heads together, they have 85% of a brain. It's like... Just quick question. Sure. Uh, the reporter who just asked the question, is she blonde? Joey, I don't see why that's relevant. But okay. She just, is blonde. Okay. Very bad message uh, to those individuals, but as well as anyone else who's thinking about violating our national security laws. They are in place for a reason. Our country depends on the protection of classified information, the protection of identities of people who work with us. And for a president to adopt a cause celeb for no, re no sound reason of national security or criminal justice uh, encourages people who want to take that kind of action outside of the law. This is going to be very harmful for, for our troops and our diplomats and our intelligence officers who are around the world trying to get people to work with us. Oh, we cut out for wow. a second. We oh, just we lost, lost, a, I oh. lost a feed. Um, wow, how does that happen in 27? Uh, Senator, we just want you, you to... Saying. Yeah, we want you to finish your thought. It's a, it's a bad message. Real quick, what is the message of the 60-plus members of the Democratic uh, side of the House who are sitting out the inauguration to boycott Donald Trump? What's I, I find it irritating. It's like they can do what they want, but okay. I, I have a special statement on this. You I, have uh, a special yes, statement yes. on this? This is ridiculous. Uh -huh. No one has the right to do it. No, Donald they have the Trump, right to do it. They Donald Trump it. played the system. He did it right. And you stand there and you watch him be sworn in. Well, It is your duty as a elected representative to stand there and watch this man be sworn in as the 45th president of the United States of America. Yeah, I think they can do what they want. Um, they have the right to not go and boycott if they want to make a, a point. That's fine. But, you know, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to pay attention to it. It's like, it is what it is. You know, do you think he's bothered by that? Do you think, you know, to me, it all goes back to if Hillary won, mm -hmm. 
and Republicans did this, the outrage from the liberal left would have been like, oh, how dare you? She she's the elected. Pre-. You know, it's like it's, so they're just doing exactly what everybody thought Trump was going to do. Trump won. So I, I hear you from that perspective. They can do what they want. Yes, and, I, yes, you know, yes, yes. he's done plenty that you can go. I don't want to be involved in that. I, 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 I hear that as well. But, you know, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. I'm still waiting for the shortlist of his possible nominees for the Supreme Court. Yes. It's kind of what I'm waiting for. Well, that's going to be disastrous. Yeah, that's going to be a big problem. Let's wrap up with this clip and then we can uh, move on. That message. Well, it's very disappointing. It's very divisive. Donald Trump won fair and square. He was legitimately elected and he's going to be the president on Friday. Uh, I understand that some Democrats don't like that. I was not enthusiastic when Barack Obama won eight years ago or was reelected four years ago. But we should at least be trying to work together to solve some of the country's problems. I would encourage them all to reconsider, to come to this inauguration and, and celebrate the peaceful transfer of power, even if they don't like who's going to be taking the office of the president. Maybe they're not going to show up because it's supposed to rain. It's going to be a big <laughs> rain. So maybe. <laughs> Oh, shut the fuck up. Get off the stage. Oh, my God. What a cornball fucking stupid idiot that guy is. All right. Uh, any final thoughts about Chelsea Manning? I'm very happy that she's out, and I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say now that she is out. I would like to end with a quote that makes me very optimistic, and Chelsea said this herself. I'd love to hear it. I've spent almost all my adult life either homeless, in the military, or in prison. I haven't had the chance to live my life yet, and now you will. Very good. Yeah, she will. All right. Nice. Let's do this quick. Mm-hmm. It's a quick hit. And then we'll do your, you want to do your like little hit list of yeah, things yeah, that yeah, we yeah, missed? Yeah. All right. Uh, Dylan Roof. Remember this guy? Yes. <laughs> the mother Emanuel murderer, Dylan Roof, was formally sentenced to death last Wednesday. And I got a quote in the email here. Melvin Graham, who's the brother of Cynthia Hurd, who was a victim of the shoot in the shooting. She's, he says he decided that the day, the hour and the moment that my sister was going to die. Now someone else is going to do the same for him. So there you go. So Dylan Roof, Godspeed, you little fuck. I mean, again, we talked about it, I guess, I guess a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm not, you know, in favor of the death penalty, but it's part of the uh, rule of law there. And that's what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. it's all right. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is if someone is found guilty of 33 federal charges, there has to be a reason. What do you mean? He's, uh, he was found guilty basically of everything. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, he's obviously guilty. That's not yes. the question. You know, there's no question about that. All right. What do you got for me here? Just So how are we going to do this? You're going to throw out some random topics? Yeah, I'm going to throw Because we haven't been here in two weeks, so I feel like I missed some stuff. Yeah, and I'll yeah, give yeah, my, yeah. my quick opinion, and then we can... Okay, this is good. You ready After for this, this you know what we're going to do? No. Nope. we talk about our new sponsor. Nice. I like it. Okay. So anytime this loads. Okay, here we go. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready, man. So you missed this. Mm-hmm. Japanese insurance firm replaces 34 staffers with... AI. Yes, I had that bookmarked actually, but we just did you really? Yeah, but we had a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, I, oh dude, I had an unbelievable amount of bookmarks because two weeks I'm I read an article, I email to myself, I email to, <laughs> and I just forget. I had like nine thousand things. Yeah, I saw that. That's coming. That's the wave of the future for sure. So they're claiming by replacing thirty four humans, productivity will increase thirty percent. Yeah, because robots don't have to sleep. Oh shit. Right. Sorry, I'm eating pretzels, by the way, on the That mic. is it's so rude. rude. It's been 111 episodes. I've never done right. it. But. So this is like what have been a fuck up of the week, oh, possibly. Great. You should bring that back. It, I don't know why we don't I, do that. 
It is. It's one of the most oddest cases I've ever seen, and I'm just going to read you the uh, the headline, and you can tell me how you feel about it. Mother and her boyfriend charged with killing 14-year-old daughter in what officials call rape murder fantasy. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, those people are absolutely out of their minds, right? I saw that. Yeah, and then they didn't they hide the body in like the woods or something? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, but they got caught. I think the, the husband, the boyfriend or whatever, got caught a couple days before her, and then she was out. She went to like another town mm-hmm. over or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not, uh, yeah, terrible, terrible situation. So here's an interesting one. Uh, for some of people, you know, they go to like gellas or shows or gellers. Gellers. Uh, oh, you galas. Know. Galas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was one that recently happened on January 10th. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Razor designed a three screen setup and had it on the booth. Somebody jacked the three screens. Uh, you know what? I'm not 100% positive what you're talking about or how this is relevant to the show, but okay. So, okay. So, ma- imagine somebody creating a three-screen setup for your laptop. Right. For video gaming. Okay. You 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 spend all this time building it. You put it on the booth. Right. People are going to come check it out. Oh, and oh, when you come I, back oh, to the booth, it was a convention, not a yes. gala. It was convention. like a show. It's okay. a show. Well, that's a huge difference. A gala is like a, a, a charity event or something. Okay. I see. Okay. So, right. So they had this out for display of like, hey, look how cool this would be if you wanted to buy it or whatever. Yes. And somebody's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take that. Yes. And they took it. Yeah, good for them. Did they get caught? I haven't heard anything on that yet. All right. So uh, another thing that was interesting to me is uh, for some reason, scientists want to be popular so they happened to find a new species of primate uh-huh. and named it after a, a star wars thing what is it it's called the gibbon all right well, so a, a gibbon exists that's a monkey no no but it's a new that's a new species of gibbon yes. but what are they what is it what kind of star wars are they into like a chewbacca gibbon you ready you yeah. ready sure skywalker hulak gibbon oh how could why did they name it that just because because the Chinese characters of a scientific name means heaven's movement, but also because the scientists are fans of Star Wars. Yeah, of course. Well, they're very nerdy, the scientists. I mean, let's be honest. They named a lot of stuff like that. Now, I've been saving Different this, planets, whatever. And I need you to... Oh, this was a good one. Okay. So, you know how you have kids. I should have vetted these before we did Yes, this, you should have, but, right. you know, that's what happens. Sorry. People miss this. <laughs> I think they're in. Yes, absolutely. So... Uh, you know how you might have a kid and they have homework assignment? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read you this uh, homework question and you tell me how uh, you feel about it. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. This is the homework. No. I'm listening. Angelou was sexually abused by her mother's... Wait a minute. Why would they start the question for, for homework <laughs> like that? Why would that be part of it? Uh, by her mother's space at age eight, which shaped her career choices and motivation for writing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what space? What is it, a blank? What is it, a multiple choice? Yes. Well, so what are the multiple choice options? Uh, you know, look, this is a great picture for you. God damn it. Let me see. <laughs> this is great. Angelou was sexually abused by her mother's A, boyfriend, B, brother, C, father, at age eight, which shaped her career choices. But uh, I don't know. Oh, is this from like a book? Is this like a yeah. book report? No, it's homework. Right, but I'm saying, is it in reference? Like, is there a real ant? Like, that can't just be a random question that somebody came no, up with. Up it's on top, be a bad book. You, yeah. you 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 select the answers. It's you're algebra. Missing, you're missing my point. Well, so that's insane. But so, how the fuck would you know? Boyfriend, brother, father. Oh, I see. 
Oh, it's like an algebra. This is insane that they yeah. would even make. Why would they do that? That's crazy. I have no idea. It probably did shape her her writing skills, though. Yeah, she yeah, absolutely wanted to get that out. That's and sad. The, sexual abuse is no joke. And the most important thing. But somebody complained. I guess I don't know if I'd complain, but I'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" You want your kids answering questions about sexual abuse? It's of not their about mother? sexual abuse. It's it's really a, it's a you know it's about figuring out who it's about victim finding you know finding the the perpetrator. Okay. It's not about the abuse. And as you know, while we were away, well, how would you handle that? As a parent, you'd complain. Oh, as a parent, I would you'd go to the school. Really, I would write a letter to. The, You're not gonna write shit. I'm gonna write the letter uh-huh. to the to the publisher of the book that put that smut in my child's <laughs> education. No, but I don't think that's a book. I think that's a teacher, right? Wrote the question, or they guess they get it out of a test book or something. They got it out of a test. Book. I don't know. I got to be honest. Maybe I would just include a note and be like, "What the hell is this about?" <laughs> Text okay. the teacher, be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> Oh, so now you're going to have to teach your cell phone number? Of course. I believe that's a thing, yeah. Okay. And the last hit, the most important hit, mm-hmm. the golden shower gate. You left one out, by the way. I asked you to include it yesterday, but you didn't. Oh, what, the whole MMA thing? Yeah. Okay. I bring it up. So how about that Meryl Streep who accepted that award and totally smashed football on MMA? Yeah. People got annoyed about that. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really necessarily... She can say what she wants. It's fine. I mean, it's it's a dramatic thing to do. She's a dramatic actress. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you, but she has her moment. They're giving her a Lifetime Achievement Award. It's fine. It's not like she just won, like, Best Supporting Actress in a comedy. You know, it's like she she won a Lifetime Achievement a Award. Lifetime Achievement. Very well-respected person. She felt like she had an opportunity to use the bully pulpit, if you mm-hmm. will, and she did. That's fine. I don't, you know, I, I get what she was doing. She was trying to, trying to turn a phrase of, like, the arts are important, not mixed martial arts, you know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, but... Miss Streep, football is completely different than mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts is an art. It's an art form. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it takes unbelievable discipline and character Years and of training. training. It's 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 unbelievable. And obviously, she doesn't know jujitsu. She doesn't know these different things that are jujitsu is essentially not violent. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not a violent thing. It's a physical thing, but it's not really violent. You're not trying to hurt somebody. You're trying to disarm them. You're trying to subdue them. Yes. So anyway, I get what she's doing. It's not like I'm mad at her, but. I disagree with her. All right, obviously. I'm going to use some pixie dust now. What? Pixie dust. I'm Meryl Streep. What are you going to say? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing? No, I don't. I have no interest in meeting Meryl Streep whatsoever. No. Okay. I don't need to talk to Meryl Streep at all. Do you think Trump wants her to pee on her? Ugh, go ahead. You want to get into this? No, I just did. No, I don't think. I mean, I- Gordon Shower Gate, bro. Yeah, well, that was the bu- so for people that don't know what Joey's talking about, BuzzFeed released a bunch of uh, like a dossier, it's called, mm-hmm. of of documents about supposedly Trump being involved in a situation where he was at a hotel where Michelle and Barack Obama stayed at one point, and he didn't like that they had stayed in the same bed that he was going to sleep in, so mm-hmm. he got a bunch of prostitutes to come over and had them piss on the bed. But I doesn't that's not a golden shower, first of all, if he's not getting pissed on himself, which is what okay. that is. Uh, so, and I don't know who, knows, there's a zero proof that that happened. It was just a big thing that people were talking about. I was on my honeymoon, I guess, when that came out and I looked on Twitter and it was like, you know, a bunch of jokes about Trump and getting mm-hmm. peed on. I was like, what the fuck happened? I don't, I, who knows? Okay. You know, to me, I, I, I doubt Trump is the type of guy that wants to get peed on. He might pee on somebody, but I don't think he's getting peed on. Okay. If at all, you know, it's crazy though. At his at his first press conference, like his first major press conference, uh-huh. he actually said, "Like I'm a germaphobe." For people that know me, that's like highly unrealistic. Like, uh, <laughs> that's the first thing he's saying. They complained about 
<laughs> Clinton, you know, sullying the the Oval Office. Trump in his first day mm-hmm. is like, I don't get peed on. That's disgusting. I'm too clean for that. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. That shit was a disaster, by the way. That that press conference, it's unbelievable. People need to on the left need to stop freaking out though about the fact that it's a circus. Like mm-hmm. they have to stop being appalled. But you know what it's going to be. Yes. But frankly, it is crazy that he had people there clapping during a press conference. That's not realistic. He had his lawyer come up and explain things. He's got guests coming up. Very odd but that's the distraction i mean that's the whole point of why he's doing it that becomes the story and what goes on behind the scenes is not the story and that's perfect for them I did you watch wait. the press conference i did not watch the press conference but now i think i might go back and watch it yeah yeah well there's gonna be plenty more where that came from i promise you that ah, it's gonna be awesome well it's gonna be you know ludicrous and we'll see what happens all right uh what do we got next here oh yeah i got a whole thing on income inequality this is very interesting stuff but let's talk about our sponsor for the first time, and I assume we're going to have quite a few more of these ads coming up over the next, you know, whatever, months on the podcast, we're very excited to have Blue Apron. What do you know about Blue Apron, Joey? Blue Apron was established partners with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. That's absolutely right. They're the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the entire country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, and they achieve this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Here's why you want to try Blue Apron. And let me tell you this. We appreciate Blue Apron supporting us. If you guys have any inclination to try Blue Apron, do it using our code. I'm going to give you that code in a second. It's Samson. (laughs) Nice. I'll give it to you at the end of the read as well. But try it. It's nice. Like I mentioned earlier, it's the new year. You might be trying to eat a little bit better, want to lose a little weight. Maybe you just want to hang out with your family a little bit more, get away from the TV, get off the devices, sit down, have a home-cooked meal. But maybe you don't have time to do that. Completely understandable. Blue Apron makes it really simple for you. Every meal, Joey, Mm -hmm. all the meals that they're going to offer to you, 40 minutes or less it takes to cook, to prepare, cook them, sit down and eat. That's awesome. That's not bad. And that's the high end, right? So there's a lot of that are possibly quicker than that. Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot at restaurants or high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 a person for a delicious meal. You want to hear? These are three upcoming meals. They oh, all nice. sound Hit really me good them. to me. Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and furikake. Mm. Ooh. Pork chops and garlic piccata with scallion rice and spinach. Nice. That sounds delicious. We're sitting here eating pretzels like idiots. We, we didn't even get food. We should have had the blue apron delivered to the studio. We could have cooked before the show. Uh, that would have been awesome. Mushroom and chipotle pepper enchiladas with lime sour cream. That sounds terrific to me. If that sounds terrific to you, maybe this is something that you'd like to try. Check out this week's menu and get your first. I'm going to repeat this. Mm-hmm. It's a good deal. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Samson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. That's fancy. That's our own vanity code. We really appreciate that. Go there, guys. Go to that site, blueapron.com slash Samson. Try it out. It's free. The first three meals are free. Shipped to you free. It's probably going to be great. And then you help out the show because they're like, oh. 
Mandatory Samson people, they like having a nice family home-cooked meal, right? Yep. You will love how good it feels and taste to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Do not wait. That's blueapron.com slash Samson. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We really appreciate Blue Apron. Thank you so much for sponsoring the, the podcast and showing uh, faith in what we're doing here. And Samsonites, I'm telling you, that's a pretty good deal. The food's very good. It's very simple. You go on to sign up for this thing. It's going to take you five minutes, and then you're, you're done. Just go do it. It's it's nice. You excited about this, Joey? Yes, I am. Blueapron.com slash Samson. I love that we have our own vanity code. That makes me very happy. Ready to get into some other stuff here? Yep. Income inequality, Joey. A few, uh, a few, a new Oxfam report says that the eight, this is before, before I even say it, Mm -hmm. this is sickening. This report that came out, this Oxfam report, Mm -hmm. it's terrible. And you know what it makes me think of? Before I even get into the details of this, mm-hmm. there's a point in like a board game or any kind of game that you're 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 playing for a long time and you're keeping score where you just gotta take the board and just shake it up and go, we gotta restart here because you got a billion points and I have eight points. The game's over. All right, the game's over mm-hmm. and we shouldn't continue this way. A new Oxfam report says that the eight eight richest billionaires in the world control the same wealth as the poorest half of Earth's population. Ugh. The eight richest people in the world control $426 billion, which is equal to the amount of wealth that 3.6 billion of the world's 50%, you know, the 50% of poorest people in the world control as well. All right? 3.6 billion people have the same amount of money mm-hmm. as eight people. In 2015, uh-huh. 62 billionaires equaled the bottom 50. Uh, that's a jump. But poverty in India and China has been like grossly undervalued, you know, like underestimated. Underestimated. Yeah. So now it's eight people have that. Well, what do you think about that, Joey? I think that this is a huge issue and something that President Trump will definitely have on his agenda. No, see, but can you not do this? Can we talk like real people? We have real conversations all the time. Don't put on a show. I'm asking you, what do you actually think about it? You know he's not going to address that. He's a part of the problem. Yes. I think it's horrible. Right. The, the only thing is, what do you do to fix it? Especially over in China and India, where the entire system is set up that they're that poor to begin with. Right. Well, I mean, these global trade deals don't help. No, nope. that, that's a big deal. Some of the causes in Ox, the Oxfam report, they go weak uh, wage restraint, right? Uh-huh. So it's keeping wages down. Tax dodging. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. Where we talk about that, these huge corporations and these very moneyed interests suck money out of the economy. And instead of reinvesting it, like the argument that Republicans make, hide it off, the, sure. the better that people do, you know, the richer they get, the better it is for everybody because they put a bit. No, they don't create jobs. They cut jobs. Actually, we see that. Yeah. And then they put the money offshore. So it's just out of the economy. Finally, squeezing of producers by companies is, is the third reason that's outlined in the Oxfam report. This group of eight people, would you like to know who's involved in this group of eight? Yes. Bill Gates. You mm-hmm. know who Bill Gates is. Uh, Amancio Ortega, who is a Spanish owner of the fashion chain Zara. Okay. Which I've heard of, but I, you know, Warren Buffett. We've all heard of Warren yeah. Buffett. Carlos Slim, who's like a Mexican, who is not like, he is a Mexican telecoms giant. He's a very uh, wealthy man. Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder. Oh, absolutely. I was thinking this too. Uh-huh. So we went to Sandals in the Bahamas for our honeymoon. Ooh. And it's this. You know, there's these small islands, Exumas in the Bahamas. It's not the main one, which is Nassau. We were in Exumas. It's off that a little bit. 
And you get there, and it's beautiful. Obviously, the water is like blue as can be. Clusterboro? Huh? Crystal yes. blue? Sorry. <laughs> I was like, huh? Yeah, crystal blue. Yes, crystal clear. Then, in fact, we went on a little tour, and the guy was referring to it as Windex water, and it's like, that's Ooh. what it like. It's beautiful. It's really amazing. So, but you get there, tiny airport. You fly in on a Delta flight, but it's a tiny little airport. You you get in a cab. You go, there's nobody on the road. It's just one road pretty much like <laughs> runs through the whole island. And you pull up to Sandals. And of course, that's like a you know a resort. They got a pool. It's right on the water. They got all these you know villas and shit. There's a PGA tour event going on, and it just occurs to you like, man, if you can get there first. I mean, not first. Obviously, the people, the Bahamians are there first. But if you get there as like a developer or something, you got carte blanche because you get this prime real estate. You're there. You're set. And you're the first one there. So there's mm-hmm. nobody else that's going to get it after you. That's and I was thinking about that with Jeff Bezos too. This Amazon thing. You got to be in right from the beginning because nobody's going to get in on that type of supply chain the way that no. he's got it. You know what I mean? So th- it's always for uh, it's an obvious thing, but it's always this forethought of like, ooh, if we can get there ten years, you know, before anybody else thinks about it, we're we're good to go. So Jeff Bezos is on that list. He's part of the eight richest people in the world. Zuckerberg, of course. Yeah. Larry Ellison, who's the Oracle founder, I believe, and CEO, and Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York. So mm. those are the eight people. That have more money than 50% of the people on the planet. Correct. Okay. Over the next 20 years, listen to this shit. Okay. 500 people will hand over $2.1 trillion to their heirs, which is greater than the GDP of India. India has 1.3 billion people. So 500 people are going to go, I'm dying. Here you go, brats, (laughs) and give them $2.1 trillion. Republicans, mind you, keep Mm -hmm. this in mind. They are against the death tax, as they call it, right? Where you get yeah, because taxed. it takes money away from them. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. They died. Or isn't this the party of personal responsibility? Where it's like, isn't that sort of against no the the mentality to give money to people? No, no, no. daddy earned that money. Right. Daddy gets to give money to that son. And I tend to agree with that. That's the thing. I'm not even complaining about that necessarily, but I'm just saying two trillion dollars is going to be tied up from 500 people. Yes. What do you do about it? Well, you pass laws that that you you set caps on the amount of money that corporations can make, that CEOs make. You raise the minimum wage. You actually give people benefits. You have an actual safety net for people. That's the only way to do it. Because if people are taken care of at a base level, and we're going to get into it in a minute, something about Finland. If people are taken care of at a base level, and they're not starving and dying because Carlos Slim is making $8 billion a year, then fuck it. Let Let them compete for the most amount of money. I don't care. But the problem is... People in India, China, and people in the United States are dying and living in absolute squalor Mm -hmm. while a handful, I mean, an actual handful of people control most of the money in the world. Yeah. Right? That's the fucking issue. Why is that such a problem? And if I had been elected, it probably would have been a different story. But no, now we got Richie Rich coming in. I have no problem with it. A lot of his plans don't make sense. Um, So... Maybe instead of calling it a death tax, yeah. we call it an inherent... Well, it's an estate tax. Estate That's tax. But maybe there should be a limit to how much money can be left to an individual. Well, yeah, but that's that's kind of what there's, you know, you tax it at whatever, 10%, 15%, 20%. But the, the Republicans are against it. And there's no real, let's be honest, the Democrats are tied up with the same people too. They just mm-hmm. will pay more lip service to it. I don't even necessarily think that that's like a secondary thing. That's a crazy argument to have. You have to address the actual problem of how that amount of money gets sucked out of the economy and goes to a handful of people. Once they have it, 
you know, they already paid taxes on it. That's yeah. the thing. So now they're going to give it to their kid. You're going to take 30% of it for what? For war? Yeah. Got a great quote in the email. This guy, Mark Littlewood. If I had Mark Littlewood in front of me, mm-hmm. I'd call him a silly goose. He's the director general of the Institute of Economic Affairs. This is what he had to say. Once again, Oxfam have come out with a report that demonizes capitalism, conveniently skimming over the fact that free markets have helped over 100 million people rise out of poverty in the last year alone. So what? 100 million is such a small number. It's a fraction. Right. (laughs) It's a fraction. And nobody's demonizing capitalism. It's not demonizing it. It's a reality of capitalism. Right? Yes. It's what happens. So it's not demonizing it. It's going, hey, we need to put... Excuse me, Polish seltzer, cherry pomegranate, it's delicious. We have to put restraints on this. Or not. But this is what's going to happen if we don't do that. It's not demonizing it. What a butthole this guy is. I bet he has, you know, a few million bucks, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a shit. So what's this plan that uh, your friends are coming up with? The Finns? Yes, the Finns. Meanwhile, Finland has started a two-year test of a monthly basic income for its unemployed, which replaces existing social benefits and will be paid even if people do find work. It's for people between the ages of 25 and 58, and they get about, it's like $600 US Mm -hmm. a month for nothing. It is just, that's what you get as a basic income. Now, they've it's a test program for two years. They've randomly selected people mm-hmm. to be involved in it. And the idea being people that are on benefits or unemployment benefits, when they do get work, even if it's for a week or something, they lose the benefits. So there's sort of that push and pull of like, well, if I'm only going to be temping or I'm only going to be doing this, maybe I'm better off not doing it because then I can keep the benefits yeah. as opposed to, go, you know what I mean? So this is the idea. We'll give you 600 bucks a month work don't work that's your call but if you get a job and you only work for a day that's fine you keep that money and you get to keep the 600 dollars that we give you every month it's an interesting thing and i have a let me read yeah, the quote then we can talk about it this is marjuka turnin uh turnin i think i spelled it wrong marjuka turnin and i believe it was finland's social security she's from finland's social security administration For someone receiving a basic income, there are no repercussions if they work a few days or a couple of weeks. Working and self-employment are worthwhile no matter what. True. And this also, I think, is good for a creative class of people. Yes. People that are trying to be artistic or, you know, follow a dream or create something. Yeah. Okay. You're not going to starve to death. You have 600 bucks. It's not a ton of money. You know, but it's enough that you're not going to die. That's That's the point. Plus, Finland and a lot of, you know... European countries have a much better safety net. People have insurance. Yes. People get to go to school for free. So $600 goes a long way there, you know? See, also, I, I feel that the system set up by continuing the subsidence living, what it does is it gives people time to get acclimated or, like, get situated in a new position because there's a lot that goes into human reactions when you get a new job you find it might take you a little time to fit in see how things work sure and you don't have to overanalyze every little thing because you don't know where your next paycheck is coming absolutely from. well and also for people that are just lost a job that's a bit of an adjustment you know what i mean it's a, it's always assumed like ah, oh, people are lazy they're not working yeah, but what if you worked at a company for 15 years or something? They go out of business, you get fired for whatever reason. And that's all your it's friends It's an adjustment, you know? And, yeah. So, right. So that 600 bucks is nice. That helps. And then, yes, it, it also helps as, as a transition to, what do I want to do? You start looking for a job, you know? So mm-hmm. it, you're absolutely right, Joey. That'll never happen here. But by the way, why not? Anyway, it's like you couldn't, we couldn't just give everybody a thousand bucks a month or something. 
Uh, you would have to work with the numbers a little, but I, I, guess. I, I think, well, this is crucial. We're going to keep an eye open on it. And the good thing about this is we can see what aspects of it are going to work and if there's any negative drawbacks. And then you can try to negate the drawbacks that would would come from this, which I don't fear would be many, but we will see in two years' time. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, and it goes on in other European countries, too. It's mm. not like they're the only country that does this, but they're trying it, and we'll see what happens. See, because the only my point of contention with this yeah. is if they did give you money in this country, then they would end up taking a portion of the money they just gave you for the health insurance. Right. So then you also have to factor in the other social costs that might be deducted against it. A hundred percent. It's more difficult. It's almost probably impossible to do here in the United States because, right, the way that Republicans are even talking about Trump care, they would give you, as opposed to just giving it to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'd give you whatever, 7500 but this one plan, they'd give you $7,500, $10,000 a year for health insurance. Okay. And you can use that in like the open market as like a voucher or like a coupon. Uh-huh. But what happens if you go over that? Then you owe way more. You know what I mean? So it's like this illogical thing. But you're absolutely right. It's easier in countries that have a nice social, you know, welfare system in place because the six hundred dollars is not just going to get burned going to your insurance. Yes, you're this that you already had that taken care of. You can go to school. You can do whatever. This is just so you don't die. See, also the other issue I have, and so what? You know, by the way, so what if people are quote lazy and they don't want to get a job? Do you think they're living? really well on six hundred dollars no see my only issue with the whole healthcare thing is i understand giving people healthcare as it should be but if we're not feeding those that are going to be sick then you're going to be spending money on on issues because they were hungry a hundred percent then you would have if you just forked over the money originally and fed them right it's emergency care in america as opposed to preventative care yeah you know hell actual it's not a healthcare system it's a ooh, that's broken system <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you, you you wait until it's a real problem because people are just too scared to go to the doctor because they don't know what's going to cost they don't know if their insurance is actually going to cover things and the premiums are high and all that stuff and right the, and right it, it, in the long run it costs less to the entire system if people are eating right, if they're getting regular checkups, if mm-hmm. they have the opportunity to go see a doctor more often, as opposed to, ooh, it looks, ah, I think my wrist is falling off. Oh, yeah, there's blood. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, speaking of which, mm-hmm. not a good. it's a good transition, but it's a bad situation. Chicago recorded 762 homicides in 2016, more than New York and Los Angeles combined, what? and 1,100 more shooting incidents than in 2015. In 2015, there were 485 homicides, so that went up from 485 to 762. This is Chicago alone? Yes. Wow. Most of the instances occurred in South and West Chicago, all poor areas. 80% of victims had been previously identified as having gang ties or past arrests. So it's happening mm. in five pretty much specific neighborhoods in Chicago. Wow. Which obviously something needs to be done about that. And the reason why I bring it up, you know, obviously it's a terrible thing. Trump is going to be president. So he's talked about going in and restoring law and order and all this stuff. It's going to be a I think a bad situation and probably in a lot of ways unconstitutional, the things that he's going to try to implement through his Justice Department as far as how to fix these things. And so he know- creates a task force that goes into 
known gang related territories and just take guns from them? Is that what he's planning I, on doing? I don't like, know. How would I you control that? I don't know what he what he's planning on doing. It's certainly not going to be passing laws about guns. <laughs> I doubt that's going to happen with a Republican controlled Congress. The other thing, you know, Rudy Giuliani's in charge of cybersecurity. It's like you got to figure that's going to be a, a factor mm-hmm. there. So it's something to keep your eye on. Now, Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson cited the release of the Laquan McDonald video as a factor in more cautious policing, not wanting to become the next viral video. So basically what he's saying is it has nothing to do with uh, wealth inequality or job uh, availability or education. or He's or, making it a racist issue. Well, he's making it an issue of, I mean... We had to put out this video of a 17-year-old uh, black kid with a knife getting shot 16 times by a white officer, and that's why our police aren't going into those neighborhoods because they don't want to be on camera anymore. It has nothing to do with any of those other real issues as to why, right? That, that's what he's saying. It's illogical. He's, it's, it's, it's certainly illogical. And also, bad news, police officers, it's your job. I don't care if you don't want to go. You have to go in there. That's your job. Don't be a cop then. So... If you can't change the laws, you have to get the guns off the street. That that's the only other. To way me, to guns are it. on the street. I watched the. Do- I'm trying to think. I guess it was Black Market on Viceland. It's um, okay. Michael K. Williams' show. It's very good, very good. But he goes into like different neighborhoods to to explore their black markets, like what they're doing. Yes. Like, so there's a heroin episode. There's an episode in Newark, New Jersey, where they're boosting cars, and you know, huh. and there's one in Chicago where it's the gun, you know, gun sales. Yeah, and he sits down with a dude, and he's like, the guy comes in and he goes, uh, "I just got out of a, sh- I was in a shooting like t- ten minutes before I got here." And he's like, "You were just in a shooting?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "That's how it is here, in these terrible neighborhoods where where the they were filming," and he goes. You know, if I don't have a gun, somebody else is going to have a gun. So the more guns that are out there, I need one, you need one, whatever. Everybody gets a gun. He gets interviewed, he leaves, he gets killed after the interview. No shit. Yeah. So that's the situation in Chicago. It's not like people, and he he was like, I got to get out of here. Like, I want to get out of here. You know, because there's something to do to get me out of here. They're like, what do you want us to do? Like, (laughs) you live in Chicago, you know, what do you want? And he got killed. That's the issue. You know, it's like, it's not like people want to be in gangs it's not like people want to constantly have a gun and be afraid that they're going to get killed but that's a situation that's happened and if you read ta-nehisi coates's article which i've mentioned a hundred times about the the case for reparations Mm -hmm. the article he gets into how chicago became basically one of the most segregated cities in the world where you had people that had the opportunity black you know, entrepreneurs and different people that systematically had those options taken away from them. White people were given the opportunity to leave those neighborhoods. As soon as a black person moves to the neighborhood, they would drop the price of housing. Hmm. And so even if you're a, a successful, you're a black doctor, whatever. So they ungingerify the area. Exactly. Well, if I get is gentrification just white? I, I, I don't know, uh, but well, I'm assuming with <laughs> mo- more so with money than it with race. But I yeah, totally. But I understand what you're saying. But yes, I mean to, that's right. And you know, predatory lending, giving different mortgages to black families that that contributed to black families breaking up on the Chicago South Side because yeah. they'd give them loans that they absolutely couldn't repay unless the dad was out there working, you know, forty different jobs, so he's not home with the kids. So it's like this whole systematic thing that happened 
and it's still happening. You know what I mean? It's still yeah. a, a problem and it's still something that needs to be corrected. It's not just Chicago, but that's the example that's given in the article. And that's what we're talking about here. It's not the fucking release of the police doing the wrong thing. No. That's creating crime. Are you crazy? So as you recall, uh, Trump personally went after Emmanuel. Do you think? What do you mean? Who Emmanuel? What do you mean? Oh, Rahm Emanuel. Yes. Yeah. Rahm Emanuel, who is the mayor of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And who was, you know, a huge uh, power player in Obama's election. Yeah. Do you feel Trump was justified in personally attacking him? Or do you feel that anyone in that position will be having the same issues? Well, uh, what do you have what Trump said specifically or no? I, I, I can find it if you can. No, nah, that's all right. I mean, look, he's. it's not better. You know, things have obviously gotten dramatically worse. So... Some blame is going to fall at Rahm Emanuel's feet, no question about it. Um, the Justice Department came out with a report saying that Chicago police are biased, that they use excessive force towards racial minorities. So, yeah, it's not a great situation there. It doesn't seem like Rahm Emanuel is doing a, a wonderful job. Uh, he's certainly not improving things. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a valid criticism, but the question is what is Trump going to do about it? Because he wants to bring back stop and frisk. He thinks it's a wonderful policy. It worked really well. No, no it's actually illegal. You know, it's, it's something that violates people's for, Fourth Amendment right. It, it's not something that you should be doing. And if that's what you're going to do, you're going to turn, you know, the South Side into a police state. That's going to be a, a, a problem. Mm-hmm. So to me, that I, feels like where that's going to go. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely a problem. Yeah. I, I gave you a, a link maybe to some stats. Do you have that? Yes. Uh, this, we'll wrap up with this. Yes. This actually goes back to the issue of guns. Yeah. Did you know for the past 104 weeks, how many is 104 weeks? It's two years. Two years. There has been at least one toddler somewhere in the continental United States firing a gun, hitting themselves or another person. Let me get this straight. Yes. So every week. Yes. For the last two years. Yes. A toddler in the United States has either shot a family member or somebody around them or themselves. Correct. Excellent. So that tells you how we are doing with the guns. Not better. Now, the rate of total toddler shootings Uh in 2016 was 6% higher than 2015. It's unbelievable. They're getting a taste for it. (laughs) Toddler (laughs) bloodlust. They're they're uniting. No. Uh, that's insane. Do yes. you understand that? Do, do you like if you live in Norway and you see that you you have to just thank God you were born in born there. Well, it's idiocy. We live in an idiot country. Well, how the hell are the, are the toddlers for every week getting into the guns? Well, yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't even know how that would be remotely possible every week. Yeah. Why don't you lock that gun up, sir? Now <laughs> or ma'am, whatever. I don't know how these kids are getting them. Now, in just in October uh-huh. 2016, this is the one month of last year, 16 of the 39 toddlers who shot themselves died from the gunshot. Jesus Christ. Yeah, because- they I just one month. Probably live in red states. They're like, fuck it. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, that's horrific. Could you imagine coming home and being like, oh, or whatever, being home and, and you're- What is a toddler? A one-year-old? Like a, a very I think it's child? two to four or something. Okay. Dead because he shot himself in the head? Yeah. That's insane. Well, I'd be honest with you. Do you know whose household there wouldn't be a gun? Who? Mine. Yeah. 
I don't know. You know, it depends. I, I would get... I mean, I don't have a gun. I would get a gun, but it would be so fucking locked away. You know, it's like the kid's not going to be able to access that gun if I was going to do that. But this is also the argument about the fingerprint shit. If a toddler gets the gun that has my fingerprint attached to it, he can't use it. So it doesn't matter. He could put it in its mouth. They could throw it. It doesn't matter. Because that's what toddlers do. They put they shit in their mouth. They just suck on things. Oh, Jesus, Joey. <laughs> what are you, Jared Fogel? What happened? <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Prison uh, time. <laughs> yes, prison time. Exactly. Uh, all right. So anyway, yes, America, you goofy lunatic. Uh, congratulations. We, so A toddler a week. Yeah, that's really shocking. It's idiocy. So major problems in Chicago. We're going to see what goes on there. You know, former President Obama is going to be going back to Chicago, I guess, right? Or he's hmm. staying in D.C. for something, but whatever. But you know he's going to be back in Chicago. Maybe this is something that he can get involved with. Once again, very consequential former President Obama. And now, the next thing is... The Obamacare repeal. Oh, no. Last... Thursday, the Republican Senate passed a measure 51 to 48, taking the first step towards repealing the Affordable Care Act. This vote sets up special budget rules, which uh, makes it so that a simple majority for uh, is all you need for the repeal vote, as opposed to getting to 60, which would be a filibuster-proof majority. They've So they made it easier for them to do it. Yeah, and it should, okay. though. Let, let's be honest. The majority is 51. So if you're in the Senate, 51's a majority. I think 60 is absurd. That's a filibuster. And f- fuck it. You know, like, it's going to accelerate the amount of things that get done, which is good and bad, but 51's a majority. Wait, wait, wait. So give me a second. So they took the time to find an easier way to get it done to make sure it happens. Right. But they don't have anything to replace it with. We were working on it. It's going to be great. I have a quote from Trump. Do you want to hear the Trump? Well, listen to this. So the GOP, basically, some of the language that they are using, uh-huh. they're using the phrase universal access, which sounds good, but it's not universal coverage. There's a big difference there. Yeah, it means you have access to it, but you can't afford it. Exactly. Right. That's like being, yeah, you can have all, all the water you want. You but, know. You have but, you, but you have to pay for it. Yeah, but <laughs> you got to pay $40 billion. <laughs> for the, what do you uh, <laughs> so here's a quote from Trump. Or no, it's like yeah, you can have no, 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 no. Wait, what? You, you have access to no, water? No, no, no. You see all the water though. You can have it. Uh, you just don't have a container for it. Yeah, or the container's locked. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm eating the pretzels again. They're just good. They're right here. Say something, George. I I don't have anything. <laughs> Dead space. President Trump. We're gonna have insurance for everybody. There was a philosophy in some circles that if you can't pay for it, you don't get it. That's not how it's going to happen with us. Uh, okay, interesting. So Trump mm-hmm. laying out the case for universal health care. Yes. <laughs> which is not, definitely not what the Republicans want and kind of not what Trump wants, although it seems like he's saying, yes, everybody's going to get health care even if you can't pay for it. That's what he literally said. People can expect to have great health care. It will be a much simplified form, much less expensive and much better. Okay, great. That sounds great. Just because you can say something doesn't make it happen or make it real. That's, I I believe you're right. It's not going to be their current plan. It'll be another plan, (laughs) but they'll be beautifully covered. I don't want single payer. What I do want is to be able to take care of people. How are you going to, how are you, if you don't want single payer, how are you going to give everybody health care even if they can't afford it? Which is what he said. There was a philosophy in some circles that if you can't pay for it, you don't get it. That's not how it's going to happen with us. Then how's it going to happen? Uh, do you think he's thinking about setting it up like the national debt? Everyone has a blank check and they just never call it in. 
Yeah, but that's what, you know, that's Medicare. Like, you get covered. You just get, or Medicaid, you know? It's like, I don't have any money to afford it. Okay, we'll cover you. It's fine. He does not plan on cutting Medicare as part of his plan. And he does plan on negotiating lower prices with the big pharmaceutical companies. They're politically protected, but not anymore. (laughs) Even though Bernie Sanders tried to pass a measure in California, or spearheaded that, um, to have the negotiate, like prices of, when prices are being negotiated by healthcare and health, excuse me, insurance companies with uh-huh. the big pharmaceutical companies, the prices could never go higher than what the VA is paying for the drugs because the VA actually does have bargaining power with the yes. insurance companies. And that failed. That measure failed. Republicans didn't support that's it. Nobody came out for it. Yeah, but now Trump is bringing that mantle, you know, that's what he's taking over. So it just doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. So this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, but it sounds great. Yeah, I'd love for him to expand healthcare that way. I don't think he's going to be able to. See, because like, if I was going to put on a cap that said America great again, what I would do is I would take someone who has the VA experience and make them head of the healthcare. Well, the VA has been run pretty poorly. Oh, so, so that's not good then. No. No. Listen to this. The nonpartisan uh, Congressional Budget Office, CBO, released a report on the likely effects of an Obamacare repeal. In year one, this is according to the nonpartisan CBO. What year is this we're talking about, though? This coming year. Like, so tw- it, no, so they're just saying in the first year that this was repealed, this is okay. what happened. 18 million people would lose insurance and premiums would increase 20 to 25%. Ooh. Okay. Ashley Strong, who's a speaker, who's Speaker Ryan's spokesperson, said this. This projection is meaningless. <laughs> As it takes, oh, okay. Wait, what? As it takes into account no measures to replace the law, nor actions that the incoming administration will take to revitalize the individual market that has been decimated by Obamacare. When you don't offer a plan, isn't that what it is by default? Well, that's what I was gonna say. She's she's making the point of like, well, they didn't consider what we would do to replace it because you haven't. Fine, but you haven't said what you're gonna do. So how could they take that into consideration? They have to do this. You silly goose. That's like <laughs> we really live in a a bizarre hellscape. I mean, this is insane. Oh, uh, I, I I don't really even know how to respond to her. That's like ridiculous. It is. It's not like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm working on a Paul Ryan accent, by the way. But I'll yeah. I'm not, not gonna reveal not it. Now. No, yeah, not today. It's not, I'm not gonna reveal it today. It'll come up. You're doing well with Trump. Just thank you. Just keep I'm it doing going. beautifully. Big league, Melania. <laughs> I, uh, my elbow's killing me, Joey. It really hurts. I bang it once in a while. Um, you want to tell everybody what happened? Yeah, to the Samsonites. What I you got were doing that was so stupid that you shouldn't even have. <laughs> there is no reason for this. Go ahead. Tell, tell other nobodies what you did so they can <laughs> laugh at you. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. I got a, uh, over the summer, I tried my little cousins. They had a, a hoverboard. So I tried it and it was difficult at first, but then after like 10 minutes, I was like, oh, how old is your cousin? Uh, they're like 12 and oh, 12. 11 okay. and not, you know, they're, so they're 12 years old and they're playing on this and you no, they weren't old? even playing on it. No, it oh. was just in the garage. They knew better. Yeah. They don't even use it. <laughs> so anyway, so I tried their hoverboard. Very fucking fun. I mean, actually the most fun I've ever had. It's so fun. It feels like you're just floating around. It's uh-huh. crazy. It's like you're in the Jetsons. So I got one. So I talked about it obviously all year and for Christmas. Oh, Christmas. I got a hoverboard. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's dope. What happened? It's so fun. So Christmas Eve, obviously I got married January 7th. People were, you know, family members, the wifey on edge. They're like, don't get hurt. (laughs) Okay. So Christmas day, I got home. We were out on Long Island. We were at my uncle's. Got home. I was like, you know what? I'm going to hoverboard around a little bit on the street. (laughs) So I'm hovering around. It's a lot of fun. 
Uh, it's cold out though, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to go up a driveway. I'm at my parents' house. I was going to go up a driveway, mm-hmm. go down the sidewalk, and go back in the house. No. The problem with the hoverboard is it self-corrects. It's balancing. It's self-balancing. So mm-hmm. if you lean forward a little bit, the hoverboard goes forward. If you lean backwards, the hoverboard goes backwards or stops you, whatever. Somebody lost his balance? Well, I it looked like there was no bump to go into the driveway. Uh-huh. It looked like it was just smooth from street to, to, to driveway. But there was a little ridge, you know, which I didn't notice. So I hit the thing hits the, you know, the hoverboard hits the bump. I go forward and the hoverboard stays where it is because oh. it balances itself. So I've ended up, I actually ended up falling backwards <laughs> and I hit my elbow pretty hard oh. in the street, which hurt. So I didn't, you know, whatever it hurt, but I didn't really think anything of it. But now it's, you know, it's the 20th. So that's almost a month and it's not feeling any better. I think I, I think I've, I cracked it. We're going to have to amputate. No, I don't think we're gonna. Have to, I'm not gonna do anything about it. But I'm just saying, when I lean on it, really, it's extremely sensitive. Oh. I, you can feel it. Feels like there's a little bit of like a, you know, like when you crack, like you know, when you hard boil an egg mm-hmm. and you crack the shell. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. So you've learned your lesson, right? Well, I just don't have the hoverboard in, in Manhattan. It's illegal. But oh, I, thank I God, want to ride it. No. That might save your life. Yeah, I'm just not gonna go over bumps like that anymore. Okay, that's all. It's very fun. I love it. Trump administration update, then you want to get out of here? Yes. The 2016 election main news source document that I have here is extremely interesting. Fox News dominated as the main campaign news source for Trump voters. No single source as pronounced among Clinton voters. Now, amongst all voters, Mm -hmm. this is a Pew Research Center. All voters, let me see. Oh, percentage of voters who named blank whatever which organization as their quote main news source for the 2016 campaign out of everybody people that voted for hillary people that voted for trump 19 percent watched fox news as their main source all right 19 percent. that's everyone that's a problem because (laughs) we've talked about fox news a million times they are not uh in the business of telling the absolute truth all the time are they no not at all cnn was second then facebook was third with eight percent that's good Local TV was 7%. Then NBC, MSNBC, ABC, 555, NPR, CBS, 4 and 4. The New York Times was 3. Huh. And local newspapers was 3. So let's look at this for a second. The narrative... We have for, to fix the way everybody's getting their news. Well, the, the narrative from the Trump administration, from Trump himself, from right-wingers that the mainstream media is biased... And they have they have a you know a bone to pick with Trump, and they wanted Hillary. They're all in the tank from Hillary. Guess what? It doesn't exist. Yeah, thirty two percent of people got their news from Fox and CNN, and all CNN did was show uh, Trump. Yeah, it's all bullshit. And Fox News, God knows what they were talking about. So okay, that's thirty two percent right there. Then add in Facebook, which is just your idiot friend giving you information, and we know that <laughs> most of the information that was on Facebook was fake, right? It was yeah. bullshit news. So that's forty percent of everybody that voted got their information from Fox News, CNN, and Facebook. Wow. Right. Then you factor in local TV. That's the sound bites for supper that we talk about. It's like, yep. oh, we're gonna go to Lonnie with sports in a minute, but big news. It's like nonsense, nothing. It takes seven minutes into the broadcast, and they're talking about Jennifer Lopez's sneakers. Well, know? well, now you now know. you're at forty seven percent. So almost half of all voters got their news from Fox, CNN, Facebook, and local television. Yes. When well, you wonder why people don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, so now you know why half the country voted for Trump. Well. 
but you know why people don't know what's going on. That's why they can't make an actual decision. Trump voters got 40% of their information from Fox News as their main news okay. source. Then 8% from CNN, 7 from Facebook, and then 5% from local TV. Huh. 6% got it from NBC, which is odd. And then local radio is 3%. So local radio, <laughs> local TV, and Facebook makes up for 15% of the news source of the people that voted for Trump plus 40% for Fox news. That's 55% of the information came from nonsense sources. And my money says that your local radio, half of it is talk show and the other half is music play. A hundred percent. Right. So it, the actual content that's being relayed by that station must be extremely low as well. Well, yeah, of course from Trump voters. Do you think that local radio <laughs> like in Alabama do you think there's a Ooh. big progressive voice there? No. Right. It's just reinforcing what you already think. Right. Clinton voters. And this is where it gets really interesting because there's always this dichotomy made of like Fox News, MSNBC. No. Nine, 18% of Clinton voters, mm-hmm. their main source of news is CNN. Hmm. That's a problem because CNN's horrible. Yeah. It's, yeah. 9% from MSNBC. So. Nine percent of Clinton voters' main news source was MSNBC. <laughs> you have to flip those. Forty percent of Trump's was Fox News. Is that the same? No, that's dramatically different. Eight percent of Hillary voters Facebook. Eight percent local TV. Seven percent NPR. Good. Six percent ABC. Five percent New York Times. CBS five. NBC four. Local newspapers four. And three percent even got their news from Fox News. So. Doesn't make sense. There you go, right? Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's crazy that the, that the Republicans are the one that are going to complain about the mainstream media being in the tank and whatever. Your people and most voters don't watch the mainstream media. They're watching CNN and Fox. <laughs> and Facebook. It's noise. That's all it is. Ugh. So anyway, that's fascinating information, right? How angry did that make you as you were reading that? It doesn't make me angry, but it's just... It, Disappointing? You get, yeah, you just look at it and you go, man... People really have no idea. Where, that's, that is the issue where people don't know where to get information from. Hmm. And even if they do, are they vetting it correctly? No. no. Because we know eight for everyone, seven for Trump voters, eight for Clinton voters. That's Facebook. Half the information was fake. Oh. And a lot of it had a Republican bend. We know that for sure. Yeah. And now they've hired somebody that's like the head of their news division. Conservative. And I wonder why. Is it because Zuckerberg is like some guy out to save the world and make things better? Or is he one of the eight people that has more money than half the population of Earth? Yeah, yeah. maybe he's not too interested, right? Great. All right. Here's what else I got. Trump tweeted about the wall. <laughs> oh, what? The other day. <laughs> why? He goes... The dishonest media does not report that any money spent on building the Great Wall. The <laughs> fact that he is going to think that he's going to call it thing the Great Wall is ah, awesome. stunning. For <laughs> sake of speed, we'll be paid back by Mexico later. So what? basically what happened is, what happened was, he's saying that he said all along that Mexico was going to pay for the wall, mm-hmm. which everybody assumed meant Mexico is going to give us money for the wall and then we're going to build it. Yes. What Trump is saying now is like, no. No, we're going to build it. And yeah, then we're going to give we're us gonna money. spend our money on it, your money, taxpayer money. We're going to build it. And then Mexico is going to pay us back later, which I don't think is true. I think is impossible, first of all, to build the wall. It's going to come from the same but fund that's not to give everybody happen. health insurance. It's all going to come from one yeah, imaginary pool of money. Exactly. So that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So the dishonest media who, okay, they're saying the facts and he's saying, no, that's not true. That Mexico is going to pay for it. We're just going to lay it out. Mm-hmm. But for how many years? Who knows? Listen to this 
guy, Tom Hodgson, who's the Bristol County, Massachusetts sheriff. I can think of no other project that would have such a positive impact on our inmates and our country than building this wall. Aside from learning and perfecting construction skills, the symbolism of these inmates building a wall to prevent crime in communities around the country and to preserve jobs and work opportunities for them and other Americans upon release can be very powerful. We don't have, we won't have legitimate immigration reform in this country until we build a wall. I don't think that's true. Doesn't make any sense. Actually. It seems like those two things have nothing to do with each other. Knowing what I know about president elect Trump, I got to imagine he's looking for every resource he can. It's going to be the least expensive approach. And you know what, Tom Hodges, I got to agree. I bet Donald Trump is looking into slavery as a way to build that wall. Yes. Cause that's what you're talking about here. Yes. Using inmates to build the wall mm-hmm. is slave labor. I used it in Dubai. <laughs> Worked like uh, a charm. Mar-a-Lago, built by slaves. Uh, Run by Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, okay. So do you believe uh, this guy? He, he, they're essentially like, oh, you know what would be a great way to save money on building this thing? Slavery. Great, yeah, great point, good. Tom Hodgson, you fucking dummy. Ugh, these are the people, Joey, that are running things. Yeah, well, well I feel that 2017 is going to be the year of act- actinism. Actinism? Activism. Activism. You think so? Yes, activism. I feel that the millennials are going to come out of their parents' basements (laughs) and we're going to make some noise. I don't know. It seems like millennials are more concerned about gender being fluid, you know? I don't know if that was a personal attack or not. I can't tell. It's not a personal attack. You're as as manly as they come. Damn right I am. (laughs) Hetero (laughs) as fuck. Uh, No, but I'm just saying, I think like millennials and and the younger generation, they're more concerned about social issues, which is fine. And we've talked about it. There's going to be a lot of social issues coming up on Trump's plate by default. Maybe. Maybe. Isn't health care in itself a social issue? I guess, but I'm talking more about, you know, gender equality, uh, abortion rights, things like that, which are, again, gay rights. They're important things. No question about it, but that's not going to be the thing that's going to stop the wall from being built. Correct. Right. Uh, what do I got here? Oh, listen to this shit. Oh, clips, this one made clips. me mad. No, we're getting, oh. we'll, we'll finish with the clips. We got some good clips. Okay. Betsy Davos or Davos or whatever. Yeah, I, I've seen that on Facebook. It doesn't mean much to This me. woman is going, she's, you know, being nominated for the head of the uh, education department. No, that's good. She doesn't know dick. She doesn't know anything. It's crazy. No, so she has to be a like a a bunch of people saying yay or nay on this, right? Yeah, but they're gonna say yay for uh, sure after this performance. Well, I think so. Okay. Listen to this before we get to it. Uh-huh. We're gonna end with those clips. Former Blackwater head. Do you remember Blackwater, the mercenary group that was involved in Iraq? Yeah, a bunch of people go around and kill people. Essentially led to the status of forces agreement not being resigned because they were just over there killing people. Mm-hmm. And, okay former Blackwater head and current chief of Frontier Services Group, which is a Hong Kong-based paramilitary logistics organization, Eric Prince, okay, the guy that ran Blackwater and now runs this group, also the brother of Education Secretary Betsy Davos. Wait, what? Has been advising the Trump administration on matters related to intelligence and defense, including weighing in on candidates at defense and at the Department of State. Okay? These are the people that are around Trump, that are helping, advising, and put people in place. We're going back to the Bush Bush era. That's what we're doing. Yes. We're putting lunatics, mercenaries, corrupt 
bad people in place. That's who's being Bob Chris is for national security. Yeah, exactly. Eric Prince donated $100,000 to Trump's super PAC and is a Christian warrior like Mike Pence. He's been friends with Mike Pence for years. No. So these are the people that were putting in place, along with Pompeo, who's a religious extremist at the head of the CIA. So these are the people that are in charge. All right. I just want to put that out there. Terrible. We're going to keep our eye on this. But these are the people that are around Trump. Mm-hmm. So you, we could pretend we don't know where things are going, but we do kind of know. Oh, we know. It's going to be a police state. Law, listen, he said it best, and we're going to get it. The law and order candidate. Yeah, we're, I know. And that's why I brought up the Chicago thing. That's a real serious thing. Mm-hmm. Here's some clips. Got three clips. They're long, okay. but they're worth listening to. This is Senator Al Franken. Okay. Uh, interviewing or whatever, questioning Betsy Davis, the education secretary. And I'm picking on her because those are the worst. But Carson was bad. A lot of them are horrific. But this this is fascinating to watch. Okay. All right. Al Franken the other day interviewing, questioning Betsy Davis. Senator uh, Lieberman uh, mentioned proficiency in the oh, NAEP yeah. uh, test. And it just reminded me of this. When I first got in the Senate in 2009, I, I had a roundtable of principals, and one of the principals <laughs> in Minnesota, and he said, we, we think of the NCLB test as autopsies. And I knew exactly what he meant, because what he was saying is that the students take the test in late April. If they're lucky, they get them back in late June. The teachers can't use the results to inform their instruction. So I saw that in Minnesota, that in addition to the NCLB test, a lot of schools, majority of schools, were taking a computer adaptive test. A computer test so you get the results right away, and adaptive so that you can measure outside of grade level. And this is, uh, brings me to the issue of, of proficiency, which the Senator uh, uh, cited, versus growth. And I would like your, your views on uh, the relative advantage of profi- measuring, uh, doing assessments, and using them to measure proficiency or to measure measure growth. Now, he explained that that all makes sense. Yes. As somebody that's going to be running the education department, mm-hmm. you should be able to answer that question. All right, right before you play it. So all we're looking for is her to give a simplistic answer why we want to be proficient in measuring these tests no, and, it, and applying it's it. It's not even a simplistic answer, but he's asking her, what do you favor? Yes. Proficiency testing, or like that type uh-huh. of rubric, versus growth. Proficiency is there's a level of proficiency. If you are at that level or above that level, you go on to the next grade okay. and you're fine. There's, if you're under that, then something needs to be done to get you over that, that level. level. And then there's some people that are not going to be able to get to proficiency, so then they kind of get left by the wayside. That's the proficiency. Right. Growth is me and you have different aptitudes. But if you show growth over the course of a year and I show growth, it might be different levels. Yes. But we've both grown, so that's a different measurement. Okay. And it can't really be measured by a standardized test or something like that. Okay, so All that's right. the question. Play the clip. Which do you favor, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Senator, for that question. Um, I think if, if I'm understanding your question correctly around proficiency, I would, I would also um, correlate it to competency and mastery so that you, each student is measured according to the um, advancement that they're making in each subject area. Well, that's growth. Ma- that's not proficiency. So in other words, the growth they're making is in growth. The proficiency is if an arbitrary reached, if standard. If they've reached a level, the proficiency is if they've reached a, a like third grade level for reading, 
et cetera. Is no, I'm talking about the debate between proficiency and growth yes. and what, what your thoughts are. Yes. This that, is somebody that has yes. no idea what's going on. Yes. Well, I was just asking to clarify then. Well, this is, this is a subject that is, has been debated in the education community for years. In and I've, I've advocated growth as the chairman and every member of this committee knows because with proficiency, uh, teachers uh, ignore the kids at the top mm -hmm. who are not going to fall below proficiency and they ignore the kid at the bottom who no matter what they do will never get to proficiency. Mm -hmm. So I've been an advocate of growth. But it surprises me that you don't know this issue. And Mr. Chairman, I think this is a good reason for us to have more questions. Because this is a very important subject, education, our kids' education. And I think we're selling our kids short by not being able to have a debate on it. And I didn't know of any rule about this, uh, you know, everyone gets one question and one other senator gets a question. I don't know where that rule comes from. Well, I'll tell you. So anyway, so but yeah. then, they, then they argue about that. So, but he burned her, though. Well, and didn't, bur but yes, but he didn't do anything. He, all he did was go, hey, what do you think about this thing? Yeah. And she doesn't know anything about that thing, even though she's going to head that department. Which is going to be an issue. Yeah, it's going to be a, probably a pretty big issue. Yeah. Here's Bernard Sanders, <laughs> senator from Vermont. Uh, he's talking to Betsy Davis. And let's uh, let's just play Bernie's whole yeah. thing here, right? The C-SPAN networks oh, bring God you long-form public affairs programming from the nation's capital and are a public service okay, of your television yes, provider. C-SPAN, created by cable. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and Mrs. DeVos. Thanks for being with us and thanks for dropping into the office a few days ago. Thank you, Senator. Um, Mrs. DeVos, there is a growing fear, I think, in this country that we are moving toward uh, what some would call an oligarchic form of society, uh, where a small number of very, very wealthy billionaires control, to a significant degree, our economic and political life. Now, did, but is that true or false? Because we just talked about oh, the true, answer. True, okay. true. Um, would you be so kind as to tell us uh, how much money your family has contributed to the Republican Party over the years? Senator, first of all, thank you um, for that question. I'm again, was pleased to meet you in your office uh, last week. Um, I wish I could give you that number. I don't know. I have heard the number was 200 million. Does that sound in the ballpark? Collectively, between yeah, over my the years, entire yes. family? That's, that's possible. Okay. My question... The education secretary's family... Yes. ...has donated possibly $200 million to Republican causes over the years. Quid pro quo, Chris. Well, whatever, but I'm just saying... Yeah. Play it. Let's Quite a bit of money. Let's okay. see how it goes. And I don't mean to be rude. I forget what... Oh, it's Amway. They're the Amway family. Oh, that's, God. That's oh. They have that fortune. Plus, the brothers, the mercenary. Okay. Do you think, if you are not a multi-billionaire, if your family has not made hundreds of millions of dollars of contributions to the Republican Party, that you would be sitting here today? Um, Senator, as a matter of fact, I do think that there would be that possibility. I've worked very hard on behalf of parents and, and children for the last almost 30 years to be a voice for parents and to voice for students and to empower parents to make decisions on behalf of their children, primarily low-income children. Thank you. Uh, in your statement, your prepared statement, you it's, say, and I quote: uh, "Listen, listen. That's a difficult question to answer. It's a good question, though." You know, I, I know everybody's looking for, well, absolutely, man. My parents 
you know, gave a ton of money, so I'm here. But the point is that she's had experiences that would equate to her being well-informed. But she's not well-informed. That's the problem. Positioned to apply her skills to better the education department. Yeah, unless she... Here's the thing. For the most part, unless she did something egregious, she's going to get confirmed. They're not going to confirm her for being incompetent. That rarely happens. It's because there's something else happening where they're like, they have a huge conflict of interest or Mm -hmm. they did something illegal. Most of the time, they're going to confirm them. So this woman, who obviously doesn't know much about the education department, doesn't know what she's going to do. Who's going to be the head of it. Probably will try to privatize a lot of things. She's she's in favor of charter schools and voucher programs and stuff like that. Yeah, she's going to head it. All right, Bernie, go ahead. Students should make informed choices about what type of education they want to pursue post-high school and have access to high-quality options. Some of us believe that we should make public colleges and universities tuition-free so that every young person in this country, regardless of income, does have that option. That's not the case today. Will you work with me and others to make public colleges and universities tuition-free through federal and state efforts? Senator, I think that's a really interesting idea, and it's really great to consider and think about but i think we also have to consider the fact that there's nothing in life that's truly free fuck let her finish let me tell you something this woman is a billionaire your life is free it's easy don't let meanwhile if you can see bernie's face it's like get me up get the fuck out of here (laughs) some things can be free it's a it's a it's a responsibility of a society. It comes back to you. The investment into people's education, giving people the opportunity to go to school and learn, comes back to the country when they start working and they be- start their own business or they get involved in politics or whatever. You know, it's like it uh-huh. comes back to you. It's be- it's nice to have an informed electorate, an intelligent, educated electorate, as opposed to a dumb fuck electorate. Somebody's going to pay for it. Right. And so- oh, yes, you're right. You're right. Somebody will pay for it. But that takes us to another issue. I think. And that is, if I may. And that is right now we have proposals in front of us to substantially lower tax breaks for billionaires in this country, while at the same time, low income kids can't afford to go to college. Do you think that makes sense? (laughs) Senator, I think if, if your question is really around how can we help college and higher education be more affordable for young people as they anticipate. Actually, that wasn't my question. My question is, should we make public colleges and universities tuition-free so that every family in America, regardless of income, will have the ability to have their kids get a higher education? That was my question. Senator, I think, I think we, we can work together and we could work hard on making sure that college or higher education in some form is affordable for all young people that want to pursue it. And I would look forward to that opportunity if confirmed. Would you agree with me? By the way, this seems like the most fun part of being a senator. I just ask him questions. Yeah, getting to prepare questions for this dum dum and just <laughs> tee them up just all day. Like, this is the most fun. This makes me want to be a senator. The rest yeah. of it seems like crazy. I don't want to be involved in it. This is fun. Just researching somebody and being like, let me ask you this question. <laughs> you know, it's like, you. it's good. This is fun. But if there is a mom watching this hearing who makes $30,000, $40,000 a year, okay, pause single right mom, there. perhaps. That woman 
has no idea of the struggle no concept. that a single mother with a child making 30000 a year is. No concept. No concept. She was actually, I forget who's asking her, might have been Elizabeth Warren, asked her if, 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 anybody, if she ever took a loan or something, like no. a student loan, or knew anybody. And she literally was like, I don't, I didn't, and I don't think i know anybody that took one <laughs> yeah so what like you do you never taken a loan for for school okay. never needed to right right you're absolutely right she's completely of course completely out of touch which doesn't mean she can't do a good job but it seems like her answers are proving she's not going to do that she doesn't know she's out of touch wait to hear this shit who has to pay 10 or fifteen thousand dollars a year for childcare for her daughter that that is a burden that is almost we'll impossible i've I was going to bring this up earlier with the universal health care thing. Yeah. At what point is it society's responsibility to take care of somebody's kids? Well, that's the fundamental question, right? Uh, it goes back to access versus coverage. Yeah. If you think that because we're all American, because we live in this country, when you're... You have a kid, you got to go to work, your kid still needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Should we all kind of help out? Yes, I think we should. That's a society. Otherwise, why do we even bother considering ourselves part of the same country? Like, if it's all just a free-for-all, everybody, you know, trying to beat everybody else out, then what, what are we doing? That's not a real community. That's not a, that's not a country. It's not a place that's a good place to live. It doesn't make sense that way. Yeah, I think, yeah. yes, everybody's kids are everybody else's kids. Of course, you understand what I'm saying. Yes. But, for care and education and whatever, because they're the next generation. They're going to take care of you when you're fucking retiring. And when, you know, they're going to have kids and that's how the goddamn cycle keeps going. All right, so you don't what, want broken people coming up that have never experienced love. All right. So now let's listen to her response to child welfare. She's got an annoying face too, Betsy Davis. Why do you always have to make it about pushing I don't always make it. I don't Unbelievable. always. I don't always Hit play. do that. Uh, to deal with. <laughs> Would, what are your proposals about making childcare universal uh, for our working families? Do you have ideas on that? Do you agree with that idea? Uh, that that certainly is a burden, and while mm -hmm. and I I can understand the uh, challenge that that family that young mother would face in deciding how to best serve her child's needs. Again, I think if we're talking about the future of that child and their education, I would look forward to working with you. I know we have common ground on a lot of things and we could find ways to work together to ensure that that young mom's child will have a great opportunity for a great education in the future. A great opportunity for a great education. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sure. There are countries around the world which do provide universal very inexpensive or free childcare. And if you want to live in one of those countries, Senator, I suggest that you get on a plane and go to France. But in America, we don't care. Fuck you. Okay. She's not going to say that. That's exactly what she's going to say. Would you work with me in moving our government in that direction? Senator, again, I, I feel very strongly about the importance of young families having an opportunity for good child care for their children. Um, I'm not sure that But it's that's not a question of, of an opportunity. Department. It's a question of being able, to, very often my Republican friends talk about opportunity. But it's not a question of opportunity. It's a question of being able to afford it. 
how do we help somebody who's making? Right, I have the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Yes, you do. Everybody <laughs> has the yeah, opportunity. I'm not gonna go. Can you afford the five thousand dollar ticket? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm or way whatever, under that. And a flight like, and the bullshit. Hotel yeah, I could go though. Yeah, theoretically, yeah, yeah. it's available to me. Yeah, and eight or nine bucks an hour at a time when we can't raise the minimum wage here because of Republican opposition. How do we make sure that those moms can get quality childcare that they can afford? Well, I would look forward to helping that mom get quality, a quality education for their child or their children so that they could look forward to a bright and hopeful future. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Yes. Zero. Final one. This is Chris Murphy, the senator from Sandy Hook. You know, he's from Connecticut. He was the one that ran for... Yeah. Yeah. This is him. Uh, this is his last question to Betsy Davis. The C-SPAN networks bring you long-form public affairs programming from the nation's capital and are a public service of your television provider. C-SPAN, created by cable. Um, One final question. Do you think that guns have any place in or around schools? No. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. God. Yes, 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 (laughs) yes. No, I don't. Thank you. No, 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 no. Play it. Uh, I think that's best left to locales and states to decide. Do you? Wait, what? Do you think that? All right, seriously. So that's, so that's a weird start. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to feel that way about weed. They're going to feel that <laughs> way about marijuana. No, no. Is it up to locales? No, 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 no. That's no. up to your federal government, right. That knows what's best for you, and it's a schedule one drug. If if the underlying question is, um, you can't say that you can't say definitively today that guns shouldn't be in schools. Well, I, I will refer back to uh, Senator Enzi and the school that he was talking about in Wapiti, Wyoming. I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. If President... <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, we'll she, go back. She, she just referenced... A school in Wyoming had a gun because the grizzly bears might come into the yeah, school. Yeah, that's probably the, yeah, they, you know, because the, the, if a bear comes in, they're going to have to shoot it. <laughs> that, that, that Yogi Bear. That's what he's they're talking shoot, about. They're going to shoot Yogi. That's obviously what he's talking about. He's referring, you know, like, obviously we've had a problem with grizzly attacks in our schools, so yes. do you think that there should be guns there? That's clearly, that's what he's referring to, right? <laughs> that just happened. Yeah. Here, well, let's do it again. Wyoming, I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. If President if President Trump moves forward with his plan to ban- I love that he didn't respond. He, I, <laughs> he, he should have started talking. They'd be like, wait, what about what? Grizzlies? What are you talking about, fuckhead? Are you crazy? <laughs> Gun-free school zones. Will you support that proposal? Um, I will support what the president-elect does. But, Senator, if, if the question is around... Um, gun violence and uh, the results of that, please know that I, I, my heart bleeds and, and is uh, broken for those families that have... So I would have cut out and be like, hey, go fuck yourself. If this is Does a very your heart simple bleed? Answer. Your heart bleeds for them? It's a very simple answer and she, she, she dropped the ball and mentioned Grizzlies. Lost any individual due to gun violence. I look forward to working with you, but I also look forward to you coming to Connecticut and talking about the role of guns in schools. Thank you for finding that. Oh, sure. I mean, that's... I was checking in on the honeymoon. It's it's very simple to go... Correct. There is no place for guns in schools. Yeah, do you think there should be guns in schools? No. No. 
<laughs> why, why would there need to be a gun there? Because there's grizzly bears. D- there's a different question. Do you think there should be security guards in schools? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you think there should be uh, a grizzly hunter there in case... You know, the grizzly like, hunter? Yeah. Well, like, what are you talking about? Uh, I think, I think obviously, you're from Sandy Hook, correct? That's correct. Uh, a bunch of children were murdered there, right? Yes, that's true. So you're obviously asking because of uh, bears, right? Yes, yes, I'm talking about bears. <laughs> Stupid. Go, go, yeah. Uh, we might as well have had Sarah Palin running things. Oh, my here. God. I'm going to shoot a grizzly. Okay. Okay. Uh, final clip, Joey. This oh, is, there's uh, more? There's just one. No, there's no more Senate here. Oh, okay. It's President Barack Obama talking to, uh, what the fuck's his name? George Stephanopoulos being interviewed. He's asked about Trump. Give some thoughts about that. And I figured we'd end... This episode with a clip of President Barack Obama, because this is the last episode that we will ever do. Where he's president of the United States. With Barack Hussein Obama as the president. So this is the final clip, and then we're going to say goodbye to you guys. Over the course of this transition, what have you tried to impress on him about the job? Well, as I've said before, the the conversations have been cordial. Uh, He has been open to uh, suggestions. And the main thing that I've tried to transmit is that there's a difference between governing and campaigning. So that uh, what he has to appreciate is as soon as you walk into this office after you've been sworn in, you're now in charge of the largest organization on earth. You can't manage it the way you would manage a family business. You know, he is somebody who I think is very um, uh, engaging and gregarious. You like him? you know, I, I, I've enjoyed the conversations that we've had. <laughs> Such a good, yeah, spoken like a lawyer, right? Do you yes. like Donald Trump? Well, you know, it's been nice talking to him. Uh, but you, but you like him. Interesting conversations, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Good weird hair. Uh, he is somebody who I think is not lacking in confidence, which is, uh, I think... <laughs> Some say that about you, too. Well, that's what I was saying. It, it's, it's probably uh, a, a prerequisite for the job. Uh, he's or- probably going to... You know what Obama's probably misses and he's going to love? Having just a normal conversation. Yes. Like every conversation basically he's had for like eight know, years, eight, now? nine years is this, where it's like, see, people say that about you, huh, sir. Huh? You know, it's like, yeah, can we just fucking talk? Well, I like the fact that for the last eight years he has to have talked exactly like a Chicago lawyer. Makes it fun now that he can be off the cuff. Yeah. Well, he's had his moments. Of no, that, no, 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 he has, yeah. but. Imagine that all the time now. It's tough. Let me tell you this. This just came to the top of my head. So I was watching a Vice documentary. I think it's called The House Divided. And it was okay. about like the political landscape and whatever. It's a good documentary. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. And at one point, they're interviewing John Boehner, who is the Republican Speaker of the House. And he was involved in trying to get healthcare passed and whatever. And he was having these like kind of secret meetings with Obama, these like backdoor meetings where mm-hmm. he didn't go in the front of the white house. Cause whatever. And he was saying there was a really surreal moment. Cause Boehner is like a heavy smoker. It's like, there was kind of a surreal moment. We were sitting on the back like patio and he, he Boehner says he was drinking a glass of red wine and he was having a cigarette and Obama's sitting across from him drinking iced tea and he's chewing Nicorette gum. And he's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of just surreal of like, we're never going to, you know, we're never going to be able to get this together. It's frustrating to me because obviously Obama still smokes. He should have fucking been like, don't tell anybody. It would have been to me. That's like a bonding moment. I know yes. it's like meaningless. It's just a thing, but like nah. spit the fucking gum out and be like, have a cigarette with you. Got one boy. of those. Yeah. John Boehner. <laughs> yep. 
Smoke a Marlboro. You know, it's like that would have been a nice moment. Fucking knock the iced tea off the table and be like, let's just fucking do this. You could have had one puff. Yeah, yeah. But what? Michelle's going to yell at you. It's all right. Save. It's for healthcare. Yeah, exactly. Ironically, <laughs> yes. But you know, like, it's just interesting because I know he smokes now. Look at him. He yeah. smokes for sure. You could hear it in his gravelly voice. He's still smoking. Definitely. I don't know. Just a thought. Immaterial. Let's finish up. Or at least you have to have enough craziness to think that you can do the job. Um, I, I, I think that he has not spent a lot of time uh, sweating the details of, you know, all the policies that... Uh, Does that worry you? Well, I think that can be both a strength uh, and a weakness. I think it depends on uh, how he approaches it. If, he, if it gives him fresh eyes, then that can be valuable. Hmm. Uh, but it also requires you knowing what you don't know. Oh, wow. How many times Holy shit. has your boy, Man Sam, Wasn't said that even that? a title at one point? Maybe, but how many times have I said that? A lot. That's why I'm playing that. That's the problem. You know what? Right. Play it again one more time. Yeah. I think you deserve it to yourself, and I think the <laughs> listeners deserve it. Let's hear it one more time. Thank you. He approaches it. If, he, if it gives him fresh eyes, then that can be valuable. Uh, but it also requires you knowing what you don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the problem. Not knowing the details and shit, like you just said, it's like, yeah, it, it maybe doesn't matter. The problem becomes when you don't know what you don't know and you get in and you go, oh, shit, I'm 80 feet underwater. I had no idea. Uh-oh. So there you go, me and Barack, me and B.O. on the same page. Mm -hmm. And putting in place people who uh, do have the kinds of experience and background uh, and, and knowledge that can inform good decision making. All right. So there you go. So that's Barack Obama's just kind of final thoughts on Trump. All right. Feels good to be back, right, Joey? That was amazing. Heavy duty episode. Bro. <laughs> I think it was a heavy duty episode. That was fun. Um, all right. Samsonites, we love you guys. We're happy to be back in the saddle or whatever that phrase is. We're going to be back next Friday. It'll be the first week under President Donald Trump. Are we going to like keep record of the first hundred days? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I want to work on a segment, Trump's hundred or something. Okay, we're hundred Trump. But what are you going to do in that segment? You find out next week. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because we're going to be doing the Trump administration updates, but maybe as part of that, Joey will do his Trump's first hundred days kind of segment, and we'll we'll keep tracking. But it's like three months. You know, that's what the first hundred days. Are. Okay. Three months. Um. Right, because it's thirty. Yeah, it's like you know. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit more than three months. But I'm saying, but it's like the first three the point, months. Chris, of this thank you. Okay. Uh, go to SoundCloud.com/slash/MandatorySamson. You can go on there. You can listen to all the old episodes of the show. You can follow us. You can leave a comment on the uh, episode. Like, if I say something you don't like, you can comment right there, and and I'll respond to it. And that's a fun way for us to communicate with the Samsonites. You can also go on iTunes. You can rate, subscribe. Follow on there as well. That's nice. If you want, you can leave a comment mocking how Chris is stupid for writing a hoverboard. Is that the name of it? Yeah, it's a hoverboard. Yeah, yeah hoverboard. Yeah. It's good. not stupid. It's super fun. If okay. you don't have one, you should get one. Uh, what else, Joey? I don't know. At Man Samp on all social media platforms. Joey's at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. 
Uh, I've been more active on Twitter lately. I got a bunch more followers. So I'm feeling good about that. I broke 200, brah. I just went over 1,000, my man. I am so jealous. <laughs> I love it. I love having 1,000. I feel like 1,000 is a good number. I'd like to get to like five to 8,000 because I feel like at that point, you can go, hey, I'm in Chicago. What should I eat? You know, people respond to you. But 1,000 is pretty good. I'm getting good responses. Is that going to be your goal? 2K7? 5,000? Well, I mean, I'd love to have 100, you know, 50,000. We're going to eat you 5,000 this year. All right, let's do it. That sounds good. The Mansamp 5000. Let's do it. Mansamp 5000. Uh, listen to this. Blueapron.com slash Samson. That's a good place to go. You guys should try it out. We thank Blue Apron for helping us out and supporting the podcast. You guys can also support the podcast and support them in turn by going to Blueapron.com slash Samson. If you try it and you like it, please feel free to tweet me. I can retweet it and make sure to tag Blue Apron in it. People would appreciate it. And uh, that's it. If you're listening to this, Again, best case scenario, it's 12 hours before Trump becomes president, but he's probably already becoming president right now or has become president. So I hope things are going well. I'll be watching the inauguration. Maybe we'll have some clips from that and we will discuss it on the next episode. Episode 112. Any final thoughts, Joey? I'm really excited and I pray to God Trump is a sheep in wolf's clothing. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.